0: Welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm Stephanie Flam, and I'm going to be hosting today's episode. So today we're going to talk about something that I think pretty much everybody in the world experiences at some point throughout their day. Um, But I feel like artists don't really know a lot about it, and that's sync licensing. Uh, So we're going to get into exactly what that is and how that works. But first, I want to introduce our guests Uh, here in the Brooklyn office. We have Liam Farrell. He's our manager of Sync.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Hi, Liam. (laughs) And on Skype over in L.A., we have Kathy Heller. She is a TuneCore artist, and she's got her own podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Um, It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And she also has the website, NoDayJobs.com. Hi, Kathy. Hey, guys.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Um, So I think to get started, uh, Liam, could you sort of give some background about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Uh, I studied music industry at Syracuse University. Um, after that, I kind of got into the production music library world. Um, I kind of cut my teeth there for about five, six years. And then I moved on to TuneCore, where they're uh, I'm pretty psyched to be working with actual real artists and bands that are like touring and cutting uh, albums.
0: Cool. And Kathy?
2: So, yeah, I moved out to L.A. about 14 years ago. Can't believe how fast time flies. And um, I wanted to get a record deal, and I was working very hard, not really working so smart. Um, Eventually I got a record deal, and it was was like meeting the Wizard of Oz. It wasn't like what I expected it to be. Um, And it wasn't business-wise or creatively anything that worked for me. And then I actually got dropped from the label. And then um, a couple years later, after – really feeling pretty sad like i was gonna have to go do something else i um, tried other jobs and realized i had to find another approach and be resourceful and i decided to look into sync licensing because i had seen artists making a living at it and i um, gave it everything i had and decided to really focus in that way and reverse engineer what other people had done and do all the research and write music that was both authentically me that would also fit the storylines Lyrically and production wise, of different projects I was looking to pitch for, and um, it worked out. (laughs) It worked out, and I started, um, I got agents and I worked with one agent, then another. You know, I'd have like a contract for two years, and I worked with that person, then I worked with someone else, and I just kept doing well. And then I decided to go out on my own, um, and that you know really worked out. And I got a bunch of placements, and I was making. You know, six figures a year and then multi six figures a year. And there were articles written about me and Billboard and Variety and the LA Weekly and USA Today and Music Connection Magazine. And I started to speak about it and then I started to teach it. And then somebody in one of my classes said, You're so inspiring. Um, You should do a podcast. And then she introduced me to this great team. And now we have this podcast, um, which I can't believe it already has like millions of subscribers. And I think it's just that people, um, I'll end my intro by saying I think it's that everybody knows deep down that there's something that they really need to be doing and getting busy doing, but we get in our own way. And so I like to help take away the excuses and then give people some not only empowering inspiration, but some practical advice to help you figure out how to do what you were put on this earth to do. And if there's a whisper in there calling you to do it, you've got to do it. So let's talk about how.
0: Awesome. Um, so I think uh, for the layman or, or just generally, can can you guys talk about like what is sync licensing? Like?
1: Yeah, I guess like a layman's definition would be uh, putting music to content, like attaching it to content. It's not always picture, but usually it is like uh, putting a song in a movie or on an ad. But it can also be uh, putting a song in a radio spot or, you know, a pre-roll on Pandora or Spotify. Awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so... So what kind of steps can you take as a songwriter? Um, I guess this is kind of more of a question for Kathy, but also for Liam. Uh, what are the steps that you can take as a songwriter to to make your music kind of sync, sync eligible, make your music uh, pop for a music supervisor?
2: Yeah, it's a great question because I think that most people are thinking about how shows can fit into what they're doing versus what your music how your music can fit the vision or the picture that a director or a music supervisor is going to be looking to fill and how you're gonna support that. And I think that people have an idea that somehow it's not authentic if you're thinking about the end in mind, if you're thinking about what your audience um, is gonna resonate with, but that's just not true. And I tell people like, Every single person you've ever met who works with a team is, you know, constantly thinking about in the end, how to make something authentic that also is going to satisfy, um, whatever the vision is of the people that they're hoping to give it to and produce it for. Um, Sarah Bareilles is doing the show Waitress and no doubt she had like a thousand meetings about you know, how to um, make sure that music not only was authentic to herself but fit the vision of the director. So for sync licensing, you know, I had so many conversations with music supervisors and I now do these panels called sync keepers about once a month in LA and we have like six music supervisors come from Paramount and Lionsgate and Fox and three ad agencies and they will be really specific and clear and i think what's really exciting for people who are listening is that most people do not approach this, do not approach it this way. Like the question you even ask, most people aren't asking. And that's the question that I started to ask is what does work and how instead of what normally happens is artists are going to make records. They're going to make 10 songs about breakup or about the summer trip they took. And it's beautiful and it might be something that works for them, but it doesn't necessarily help the picture. And so there is consistencies in the storylines that are told on certain shows. And there's also consistencies in what you, a brand is going to use. So to give you, like, some of those, you know, um, the answers that I found, so for TV and film, um, you want to look at what show you hope to have your music on, and you're going to find that a lot of TV shows have songs about together and home and uh, songs about shelter and being there for someone, and when I realized that, I wrote a song called Count on Me, and it's been licensed, like, six times, and it's, it's, once I started to realize how sort of simple that is, like, Successful people don't look for opportunities, they look for problems to solve and they solve them first. Instead of like reaching out to someone and asking them to do something for you or to take time out of their day and figure out how they can take what you did and make it better or fit it to what they're doing, that's not the deal. We need to figure out how to make a music supervisor's life easier by sending them something that's really gonna work. And so you wanna think about the production wise, what kind of style for an ad, it's gonna be up tempo mostly, it's gonna be something quirky and out of the box. Um, And what are the lyrics? It's going to be positive because the ad wants you to associate like having the best day of your life when you go to Target. Um, So you're going to listen. And the thing is, a lot of these artists are the coolest artists out there. Like ad music is not jingles. It's not um, contrite. It's it's, contrived. It's not trite. It's something that is unique and cool, and labels are usually looking at that and saying, oh, who's being licensed for the new iPad commercial? Maybe we'll sign that person. So, I mean, I don't wanna take up all the time because Liam's here and he's got a lot of expertise, but I could go on and on about this and answer that question. I do a whole course on this. Um, Suffice it to say, when you start to do the research and look at 10 brands and their ads, um, you're gonna find consistencies in tempo, in production, in vibe, as well as in the lyrical content, and you would find similar things production-wise and, and lyric-wise, depending on which show or trailer house you're pitching to. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally.
1: Kathy, I 100% agree with you. Um, and just to kind of piggyback on that, um, there is kind of a value in being specifically vague. And this kind of really mostly applies to um, advertising. Some really big songs uh, that got a ton of syncs and ads where um, were Icona Pop, I Don't Care, I Love It. And Which could be about really any kind of product. Um, It can be like tissues or coke or uh, clothes, whatever. The other one uh, that always comes to mind is uh, the heavy, How You Like Me Now. Oh, yeah. Super big.
2: Yep, exactly. I have a song that I just got licensed for the fifth time, and it's called Good Good Feeling. And we've licensed it to Nordstrom. We've licensed it overseas. Um, and the other thing people don't realize is how much opportunity is out there. And what you just said, that nonspecific universal sort of theme, its it's everything.
1: Yep. And one thing that's consistent with both of those songs is swagger. There's just a ton of attitude and a ton of energy in both of those songs. And that really goes a long way mm-hmm. as well.
2: I feel like it's a few different camps. I feel like it's either swagger or it's something that's really happy, and quirky um or it's even something that sounds like 80s but like 80s mixed with something that sounds current like passion pit song carried away is a great example of like something that has since and then all of a sudden in the chorus it's got all these gang vocals and then the chorus is just i get carried away which again that lyric plus that production is going to work for anything
0: totally yeah i also feel like i mean and i don't know anything about sync licensing i'm just here for the party (laughs) uh but i feel like (laughs) I feel like Americana is also like like uh, I, like that general specific but general um, Americana of like acoustic guitar and
1: yeah that's been very in vogue for a while um, you know like Lumineers and uh, like Mumford and Sons like that kind of sound is pretty big mm-hmm. it's got like any kind of brand that wants to have any kind of uh, like ruggedness or outdoorsy kind of feel that works. Um, And if you're yeah that- the
2: good news is that I tell people all of this is already out there. We live in a time where there are no excuses because the resource is right there. If you open up your computer and you go to sites like advertilog, um you can see every brand and all of their broadcast spots, and then you can click and you can watch. Um, you can watch the video, and if you don't have it, a subscription, you can just at least see the name of it and can go to YouTube and type it in, and you could go to YouTube and just type in Coca-Cola, and there's a playlist of every ad. You can go to um, find which is a website which, you know, takes all of the music that's been on every single TV show and shows you per episode who the bands were. I mean, all of this is there. It's that most people are not going to begin with the end in mind. They're going to make something, they're going to throw spaghetti at the wall, they're going to go to the studio, they're going to make a record that might be good, it might be mediocre, and, even, and even if it's great it might not be great for sync it might be very specific and it's all about this girl named tanya or it's all about this guy named kevin and he lives in the south of france like that's fine but that's not going to be great for sync because in that story there might not be a guy named kevin and even if there is they might not want a song that's so on the nose but a song like I'll give you an example. My songs that get licensed all the time, I have a song called Be Brave. I have a song called Let Your Color Shine. I have a song called We're Good Together. That song has been in Walmart and McDonald's and I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because I will... spend the time before I go to the studio to think about production-wise, like what's going on? What are the dynamics? How is the song changing? How is it um, filling that space so that it's really telling a story? Um, And then lyric-wise, I'll think about my own personal story and what I want to tell. And then I'll just find a way to say that generally in a hook that would relate to anybody's story. And, um, you know, it's like anything in life. The more you practice something, you get better at it. The bottom line is that people, will they want to have excuses, you know, it feels good because then you can rationalize why it's not happening for you. You can say, oh, well, Kathy Heller, she had money or she had contacts or no, I didn't, <laughs> you know, but um, and I, there's a million other people that I look up to in every single facet of life. Um, and it's just about being resourceful. And the good news, which I'm going to keep repeating because it's so important, is that since 99 percent of people are not going to do this, when you start taking any action at all, you're going to be competing against such a small amount of people. I I really believe that I didn't get to where I am because I'm the most talented person. I didn't go to Berkeley School of Music. I don't play five instruments, but I'm so committed. My husband says like you have the will of a small country. Like I knew if I committed to something, I would stay in it, and I would just be willing to persevere. And that grit, you know, combined with when you're working on something, you're going to hone your craft, and you will become better at it. What does Malcolm Gladwell say? I think he says like. 10,000 hours at something, you become a master of it. You might get there by 400 hours, but you got to put in the time. And then what's so amazing is that every month when I do these workshops in LA, our next one is, I think it's April 9th. Um, and it's, it's this thing called sync keepers. And when we bring these, um, music supervisors, I will stop every time they say something like this on the panel, I'll stop and repeat it to the crowd and I'll say, did you hear what they just said? They want indie music. There is no good excuse. They're looking for indie music all the time because it's easier to clear. It's less expensive and it's cool because it's got street cred. They can find something that no one's heard of. Um, So you've just got to find a way to solve their problem and send them something that you've already done the research and you know it works for that show or you know it works for these trailers or you know it's going to work for that brand.
0: Yeah, I think something with that too, like I, I think and this is a total this is totally anecdotal, but I feel like sometimes the the songs that stick out to you in terms of sync are big songs. Like I think of Jumpman and the Apple Music commercial or like mm-hmm. DJ Khaled has a huge uh, like Apple Music and Beats licensing deal, like a combined licensing mm-hmm. deal. But there are so many kind of forgotten, like like a Folgers commercial that where you don't even really think about the music behind it or you know a, a radio spot that you you don't think about the music but there are so many people i think that kathy included that um that really make a living doing sync and writing for sync versus being this huge artist and trying to get to this level as an artist before you get to the sync licensing
2: Well, that's what I love about it. I mean, that's why I decided to focus all my energy on this, because in 2007, I saw people like Ingrid Michaelson, and I saw people like Lumineers, and I started to see, you know, even I went to see Christina Perry five years ago at um, the Greek theater, you know, at the Greek, and she was saying, you know, her, her whole career was predicated on her license for So You Think You Can Dance with Jar of Hearts, and then the next big one was in Twilight, And I was like, well, you don't need a label then. You could just get licenses and you don't even have to use it to leverage it to become a major touring artist. I have three little kids. I have a six month old, a three year old, and a five year old. And I wanted to create a life for myself where I could make music and get paid to do that thing that's like Disneyland for me. Like in the studio, I'm time just, it it passes so fast. I'm so happy, I'm so alive. I love producing it, I love creating it, I love my co-writers. And so I knew that I had to figure out just a way to make money. And I started to realize, I'm not a unicorn like I could I don't I won't because it's private but I could list you like 20 people who I know who make just as much money as me 300 400 more than me 500 some of them make 2 million a year um, just getting a small piece of this market because yesterday I licensed a song for $50,000 okay and I do this probably three times a month and you've never heard of me and they'll run for like three weeks or six weeks or sometimes they'll only run for you know a week um, and, you know, some of the ads aren't 50,000, some are only 8,000, but sometimes they have SAG residuals and the, those royalties will pay you maybe 30,000 additional ever, for every, you know, month that it runs. Um, and then you can get TV stuff and that could be 6,000 per spot. And TV is doing, let's say, 22 episodes per show and every show might have three cues or eight cues or sometimes 11 cues. And if you start to do like, but just it, you just need a small piece of the market and what's insane is that... All of my songs, since I started focusing on sync, have been licensed more than once, which means that those titles, those themes, they're hard to find in the sense that like, there's a ton of acoustic love songs, they've got that. Music supervisors have millions of songs like that in their iTunes, but how many songs do they have that are uplifting and also do that well, and have a great production sound, but are also universal lyrics and anthemic with gay, they don't have as many. And if then you can clear it easily, you're in,
1: Kathy. I have a question. Do you rep yourself for Sync, or do you have like uh, teams of people uh, pitching your music to the different supervisors and productions?
2: So I started out being rep by awesome people. My first um, Sync licensing agent was Marty Silverstone. He's at Primary Wave, and then I was rep by Brooke Premont at racer and Tie. All awesome people, all great in their field, and I did well. And because they were getting me licenses for Kellogg's and Kodak at the time, and all these different TV and film spots and and promos, I thought after five years of being with them, in 2011 I went out on my own, and I i I had a little bit of credibility because supervisors had to use my music, so I had some, and I had been in LA. I live here, so I had met I had met people. And um, billboard wrote an article about how I started pitching and I started having success and I would find a way to break through the noise in an email so I would make it personable and I would make sure to never send an email blast to a supervisor and to remember when they tell me something like if their grandmother's sick or they're having a kid and I would care and I do. I'm, I'm definitely like my favorite job in life is like a friend like I'm a good friend. So I would show up for these people. And then when they would finally, you know, read my email and click on the link, the music would be something that they knew I could clear it, um, I owned it all, I, I was gonna be professional, and the music was good. So I started doing that, and then after I was written about in full, full page stories about me, it was crazy, in LA Weekly, Variety, and Billboard, with a picture, like a full page, it was nuts. And I'm like, wow. Um, then other people started emailing me and asking me if I could pitch them So I opened up my own agency called Catch Them In Music in 2013, and now we have helped other people make six figures. We've done licenses for other artists for T-Mobile and Petco and Quaker and Living Spaces nine times and, and promos. and. We have great relationships and we um, also now, I teach a course called Six Figure Songwriting and I've been teaching people how to get themselves into a process where they can research what's working, figure out how to hone their craft and implement what's working to their own stuff and then when people are great in the class, we've signed we've signed several people from the class and we started pitching them and it's very fun. Like it all help, you know, the rising tides helps all the ships, you know, so um, all of the things I'm doing sort of work together and. Now I also do this podcast to sort of help any creative person figure out how to make a living doing what they love.
1: It's brilliant. Uh, that's, I mean, the model that you set up for yourself is is the, the perfect way to do it. Um, I kind of wanted to touch Thank on you. something that you mentioned earlier um, about back end and like PRO royalties. And this is kind of to speak to the listeners out there who maybe aren't quote unquote songwriters and they're more um, composers or producers. Uh, There's also a lot of opportunities out there, like what Stephanie mentioned, um, the the stuff in the background that you don't really Mm -hmm. notice. And when you don't really notice, that means that the the people are doing their job right. Um, And there's a ton of like uh, background, quote unquote, production music uh, that gets used, especially in unscripted television. If you think about a show like uh, The Kardashians or any show on like National Geographic, those Mm -hmm. get replayed over and over, like four times a day, yep. Yep. Um, several times a week. And while the front end is really low on stuff like that, the back end can add up pretty quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, everything takes energy. Everything needs focus. So we spend at our company, you know, I have a team now, uh, we spend the majority of our time pitching to ads because it's such great ROI. You know, your return on your investment is amazing. If you get an ad, and you make 50 grand upfront plus your SAG, you're looking at $100,000 for that month. So it's great. But we do a ton of TV, and there are times where we will license something, you know, for a music supervisor who we have a relationship with, and we know that supervisor is also gonna be working on five other things and we wanna like help them out. We will sometimes license things for very little upfront, but they'll wind up using it and running that a million times. I have a friend who's made $55,000 a year on soap operas. And that's not even what she does. She's in a band and she's successful. She does a million other things, but her music in soaps, because a soap opera runs every day, right? So they'll, they only may pay you like a thousand dollars upfront and then they're going to run it and then they're going to rerun it. And then it's going to be played on 15 networks. And it's, it's amazing. Like you can wind up making a good living just on that. Agreed. (laughs) So where do we go? Where do we go? I mean, I have so much stuff that I'm happy to, you know, talk about What's interesting to you and yeah, I think what something want to talk
0: about. something too is like I, I guess a question for Liam is like how does it work as a TuneCore artist like you, so you you become a TuneCore publishing administration customer what happens then
1: <laughs> um, if you're a TuneCore publishing administration uh, administration customer uh, you give us your files uh, we have our team listen through everything. Um, and then we kind of tag it with metadata. Um, that's our way to be able to search for something for a pitch. So if we get, uh, an ad come in and say we need, uh, some 60s authentic pop music, um, we'll do our little database search. We'll find something and we'll send. Um, and that searches everything that we have basically in our armory. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we'll get, uh, Um, requests for background music for an entire um, series of a show and so we that's kind of more of a bulk play like what I was referring to earlier of of instrumental music or maybe some vocal ups so we'll send them just a ton of every single thing that we have in those specific buckets uh, and then they'll kind of pick and choose from there as the series progresses.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. actually did, uh, we did a video for TuneCore Social. And I went through the sync process. And I was like, I didn't know that this is how this is, (laughs) this like worked. Um, We also, so the very song that we use at the beginning of this podcast is a TuneCore sync licensed. Yeah, commissioned, right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, We actually, uh, when you guys were looking for that, we kind of went through our, um, our, our, team of composers that, uh, have, uh, published through tune Uh, we found a couple that we really liked. We checked their availability. Um, and then one really talented guy named Steve page, uh, got the job and he composed a couple of demos for you guys and you guys picked which one you liked. Uh, there were a couple rounds of notes, and then we got something that I think everybody really dug. Um, so I, that's kind of some advice that I could definitely give as well is, um, Make sure you're available or you can have your sessions or your rig, if you can, available. If you're not uh, you know, a producer or an engineer, uh, have the person who produces or engineers your albums uh, on speed dial, somebody you can reach out to uh, at any time because often if we're going to get a sync um, and it's a vocal song, they'll nine times out of 10 ask for the instrumental version just to make the edits work. Uh, even taking that a step farther, uh, have stems printed out And just readily available. So by stems I mean like just isolated guitar or the song without drums. Um, Just have those things available because a lot of times these things move so fast that we don't want the client to pass on it because it's going to take two weeks for your engineer to get back into town. And
0: And it's like how many times have I... Have I watched Grey's Anatomy? I mean, I haven't watched Grey's Anatomy in forever, but how many times have I watched Grey's Anatomy and there's a like, really intense scene that's happening and there's this instrumental build for a really, really, really long time and then it finally builds to lyrics, but until then, like yep. you're filling it with something.
1: We call that in the biz a vocal up.
0: Ooh. <laughs> that's cool. Um Yeah. So I think like one of my last questions is just what are some tips that either of you would give artists to maximize their sync opportunities?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a, there's a few things. And first of all, when someone's listening to this, there's definitely a feeling of overwhelm. You know, it's like, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, you've now been doing it for 10 years or Liam, you know, you work there and you have these relationships and it seems so simple. And so I know it can be overwhelming. And what I want people to remember is that you have to sort of commit to take some action and here are a few things that you can do that are going to start to make it a lot less overwhelming. Um, First of all, you got to get yourself into a habit of writing. And one of the ways that you can do that is to not be so critical of yourself every time you write. I know that for myself, when I was first starting out, I would open up my desktop and like a a blank Word doc, you know, while I'm like sitting at the guitar or something. And I had this like false notion that I was going to write the full song in its perfect syntax and order like in that moment. But editing and writing are two totally different things. And so the more you get in the habit of working and letting yourself be creative and play and be free, that's what freedom is. It's letting yourself be expressed without being critical. That's why we loved being creative when we were kids. That's why we were drawn to music because you can be expressed and free. So if you're gonna be critical, it's gonna kinda like take the whole fun out of it. So I want people to get in the habit of doing some research and going online and buying songs on iTunes that you've already found that are working for ads and TV and film. And I want you to play those songs in your car and have them on your phone and listen to them whenever you're at the gym or shopping or whatever. And then make a habit to write a song about a certain topic that you hear coming up and get in that headspace of that vibe and tap your foot along first to the song that you sort of were inspired by. And then when you're going to write your song, just let yourself play. And for 30 minutes, play the piano, play the guitar. or If you just write lyrics, play at the Google, you know, the Google Doc and just start to write stuff. And then the next day, go back the next day after you've slept on it and let yourself play and see if there was one word or one line from what you wrote that stands out, that jumps out. And then if something jumps out, maybe you build a whole song around that. Or maybe you have four lines. Whatever you have, just getting in that habit is going to help things move faster. And then the great thing that you can do is you can set up a co-write because you want to get it vetted and get someone else's input and their ideas. And that can help, you know, keep you accountable to show up and get the song done. And then you can make an appointment to show up at your producer's studio and, Play the producer three of these references that you found so that he or she sort of gets familiar with what you're going for and analyze it and show this person why you like these three songs. Well, I like the song because of the way it builds or I like that it has pads and synths and then gang vocals and hand claps and let the person know. And then you're going to get in the habit of doing that all the time. And instead of setting out to be frustrated when you don't get that first song you made synced, set out to do this and just do it until you start to get some feedback. And then you want to pitch your stuff. You want to pitch your stuff, and no, no does not mean never. So you want to just be persistent and polite, and send personable emails, and send to sync agents, and figure out the kind of shows that you want to work for, and make sure that you're letting these people know that you're a squeaky wheel and you're standing out, and you're going to be consistent. And if you get a, a a feedback, you know, a no or any kind of feedback, implement it and use it, and then show up because that's what most people don't do. So by virtue of just showing up you're going to start to create a buzz around yourself and eventually someone's going to take a meeting with you. And then if you get signed be a squeaky wheel and keep creating content and your content is going to get better. Um, and I know all of that sounds like it's insane to do, but the bottom line is that you're not going to have to, um, you're not going to have to worry at that point because no one is going to be following you. <laughs> like the people who are going to show up and do that are very few. And eventually, you're going to be the person that people build a relationship with and trust with. Um, but every person I've ever met, whether they're the CEO of a company or they're worth ten gazillion dollars, everybody is always open to connecting with a new person, even if they have no credits, if they're humble and they're enthusiastic and they're hardworking. Somebody is going to open a door and. You know, the other thing that you can do to keep yourself inspired is I'm not kidding. If you listen to my podcast, which is Don't Keep Your Day Job, it's on iTunes. We're in like the top 20 on the business charts. Um, Every week I interview someone who's, you know, doing something creative, whether it's fashion design or screenwriting or songwriting. And you're going to see the DIY hustle is the rage. The, The gap between corporate America and what you can do with your own hands is completely gone and you have an audience already, and people are waiting every day. This is When I wake up, I think about the fact that there's media everywhere. And every time there's a video or a promo or a film or an ad, there's a song underneath it. So every day when I wake up, there's people sitting at desks at ad agencies and TV and film departments looking for songs. And they're looking through the same stuff. And people are trying to get through. And a lot of those people, whether it's a label sending them new stuff, it's hard to clear. If it's a a rep, you know, a license agent sending them new stuff, it's usually not good for sync. So I'm aware that the opportunities are there. And the more certain you are that the opportunities are there and you continue to sort of work, work backwards and reverse engineer this and stay in it, you are going to get this. This is not rocket science. So stay in it.
1: That's some very sound advice, Kathy. I 100% agree. Um, just uh, kind of the more boring side of the same coin is make sure you have all of your rights figured out uh, before mm-hmm. sending something, if there's a co-writer, um, make sure that you indicate uh, the correct splits and everything's registered properly. Make sure that they're cool with you um, pitching stuff for sync and there's not going to be any hangups once something gets to the finish line. Um, somebody won't approve something because 1% co-writer on a song can you know put the kibosh on an entire sync. Uh, So make sure you guys just have that kind of understanding uh, with all of your co-writers. If you're a one-stop shop, even better. Um, But, you know, co-writers are also great as well, as long as everybody's on the same page.
0: Can I have two questions um, that our artist support team gets asked a lot um, that seem like very simple questions? Do you guys, obviously you guys don't get to choose which projects you get sync deals with, right?
1: We'll take anything.
0: But what what I'm saying is the artist doesn't, they don't get to like seek out opportunities um why not i don't know i just didn't that's a that's a question that we get a lot and i i don't i actually don't know the answer specifically well, it's, go, go ahead, ahead kathy
2: i was gonna say it works two ways i mean the the normal way that it works day in and day out is that every day because of the relationships that you know i've built and i don't know everybody and anyone says they know everyone is lying you know it's just like people say they don't fight with their spouse they're lying Um, So, but the people that we do know, they reach out to us four times, six times a day, right? We get from different people, depending on who's working on something right now, we'll get searches and people will say, hey, Kath, I'm working on this particular thing and it's for Pepsi and I need a song that's, it's all about female empowerment. So four times a day, we will spend 45 minutes to an hour then searching through our catalog and making them a folder of stuff that's amazing, and we only send stuff that's amazing because we don't want to lose their trust and have them not write back because they're like, oh, she wastes my time. So we spend that time. But then in between those hours, myself and my team will do the research um, and we'll say, you know, this particular artist really wants to be on the show Nashville or this particular artist really wants to write a song for this particular show or this particular brand. And then we will seek out, you know, who's doing the work on that, you know, what agency is working on that. Now, typically, It doesn't necessarily mean that the timing is going to be right and that they're going to have a spot for that artist But if it's right for it, they might keep it in mind or they might keep it in a folder and say, you know When something happens, we'll circle back Um, It's I talk about this on my podcast all the time But the one thing that is so hard that people totally take for granted when you ask somebody What do you want? They think before you ask them that that they know exactly what they want and they're really bummed that they're not getting it But when you ask them, what do you want? most people cannot answer you. They get tongue-tied. Well, I wanna write music. What do you wanna write music for? Well, I want, what? What do you wanna do? You've gotta be specific. It's like a GPS. If you are specific about where you wanna go, the GPS will backtrack from where you are and give you an exact route to get there. If you kinda wanna get somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, where are you gonna wind up? I don't know. If you wanna get to Portland, but you say you wanna go somewhere over there, you might wind up in Seattle, you might wind up in Sacramento, you gotta be clear. So I tell people, like, be really specific. You know, if I want to be a songwriter and I want to write for these ads or I want to write for I want to have my music um, in this particular show, or I want to. OK, so then start working backwards for that. What do they want? What have you already found that they're using? It's so obvious. It's already out there. You can watch all of it. It's all been codified. It's all sitting there on your computer. Watch it. Study it it's not that hard. If you already know how to write a melody and you know how to write lyrics and you're writing music anyway, use that as a guide. If you were a screenwriter, you would do the same thing. You know, screenwriters, they figure out what show they want to write for and then they write a spec script. So Will and Grace is coming back. So they would write a spec script and they want to send it to the person, you know, that probably is already filled. But like if there's another show like Modern Family or something like that and they want to write for it, they would watch the episodes until they grasp the characters, they'd write a spec script. And then there's a, there's only a small group of people in the whole universe who can get you on that show. So you would go to IMDb and you would look up who those people are. And there's it's the same thing with music. You would figure out, do you want your music in this show or this ad? And then you would work backwards and say, who are the supervisors? Where can I meet them? What panels are they on? Where can I go to show up at some publishing society or some billboard event? Or which licensing agents have a sort of a knack for that? And they have relationships already with those people. And I can show up and be the squeaky wheel. And it does, you do have some control in the sense that it's not about waiting for someone to hand you something in life, you know? It's like, what are you gonna do to go and get it? And I didn't have anything, like I didn't have a parent or a friend in the music business. I was working three day jobs. I wasn't even that good at playing instruments. I was just like so determined. And so I was resourceful and you don't need resources, you need resourcefulness. So be resourceful and find somebody on a Facebook group who's already graduated from Berkeley and co-write with that person or find a producer and cut them in on the back end so you don't have to spend $3,000 a track. There's, it's all doable. You've just gotta decide. It's that moment where you make that decision that you're not gonna be waiting for this anymore and complaining about it because life is too short. You're just gonna decide, this is what I want. And now you're going to do something. So the last thing I'll say is if you're inspired by you know, what we're saying right now, if you're listening, make a list of three things that you're going to do this week and one thing you're going to do today and do it and get in the habit of doing something instead of sitting around and complaining when you know you have something so incredibly powerful that you know you have to get out there and do. So you need to go do it.
1: That's so true what you were saying uh about, you know, supervisors and producers not necessarily knowing what really to ask for. So the key there is usually asking for references Um or, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're you speaking kind of a, in a proactive way of of watching the shows and getting the references from the shows. Um, but a lot of times when I'm working on a pitch and I'll get just a brief that says, uh, we want something with energy and it's fun, which can mean anything from Rihanna to Elvis. So I always mm-hmm. say, oh, send me some you know, your wish list of tracks that you would ideally love to have. Because I heard a great quote, it was talking about music is like dancing about architecture.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's true. But the thing is, like, exactly what you're saying is, I mean, it's so funny, like, if you look at my songs, and all the ads that I've done, and TV, and again, I'm not getting them because I'm famous, and I'm not getting them because I have the best vocal in the world, or the best piano playing, It's just the simplicity of that is the kind of vibe that brand likes. And that's the kind of lyric that works. And then you have to do it in an authentic way. That's the thing. A lot of people are like, I wrote a happy song called Sunshine. It's like, well, it's not good. It's got to be amazing. And that takes time. You know, when I was first writing songs, it was pretty mediocre. It's it was because you only start where you start. But there's a. Great video, Ira Glass, who hosts another awesome podcast, This American Life. He put out this video called Taste, and it's all about the gap between when you start something, what you have is great taste. You can identify a great song, but it's going to take you time before you can write the kind of thing you can identify as amazing. And so we have to always keep honing our craft. And people are so sensitive. Artists are the worst. They're like, it didn't happen right away, so forget it. So that's terrible because then the guy in the hedge fund. What does he have? He just has that grit and he's not as sensitive. He doesn't have as much to contribute to the world as you do. I mean, if there was ever a time where people need music right now, it's it's now. Um, and so we have to stay in it. And this is what people don't do. And if you listen to what people are using, you're going to eventually nail it. You know, it's already been there. Like, think about what was working about that song you just heard and really study it. And then A, B, that song against what you did. And maybe it wasn't quite there. And you need to do it three more times. But you will get there. It's just not like landing on the moon. And even that can be done. Right. So it's like, it's all doable. It's just everyone who's ever made it. You know, there's this great TED Talk. um, In fact, um, my show is sponsored by Audible. So you go to audible.com slash dream job. You can get this for free. It's a book. It's called grit. And they did their research. Their measurements are, are there. It's not talent. It's perseverance. Um, and this is something where there's already a model. It's all there. And people are still, my husband always says, you better keep doing it before they decide that this is crazy. Cause it is insane that they're paying indie artists like me so much money, but they still are. And they're looking for it every day. Um, and I know for myself, since we have an agency, very, very few people stand out to us. And we do a course and I speak everywhere and I do these events at once a month. And if I told you how many people actually show up and meet me and 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 in terms of what I was saying and meet me there and show up and send me the stuff I'm asking for, it's like zero. Isn't that insane? Like that's hard to believe, but it's true. So every agent is in the same boat. It's like, who's going to be a squeaky wheel and be willing to stay in it? And if you make that commitment to stay in it six months from now, you're going to turn around. And you're going to have one song that's in,
1: you know, insane and
0: unbelievable, and it's going to make you great money. Awesome. That seems like a really good place to rest, to wrap up. Do you have anything else, Liam?
1: Uh, no. I think uh, we covered a lot of ground today. Um, just want to say we do have a jobs board uh, coming on the horizon for all TuneCore publishing artists. So keep an eye out for that.
0: Awesome. Is, and uh, Kathy, do you want to do you want to plug your podcast, plug your website?
2: Yeah, right now um don't keep your day job is it's a great podcast and it's free and it's really really helpful. And if you go to nodayjobs.com, that's nodayjobs.com, I'm giving away content and helping people with cheat sheets and things that they can do to help build their audience. And I also raffle off sessions. I've been meeting with people over Skype over video conference call, and I've been giving them some specific tips that they can do for their careers. And I also have a course, and you can go to sixfiguresongwriting.com. That's the number six. And we teach all of this, um, all of it. And, you know, people in the class seem like they're very, very happy. Um, We have tons of testimonials and people who feel like this is not just a course about songwriting, but it's sort of, you know, completely been a game changer for them in their life. And you can hear the way I speak. I'm very passionate about helping people because um i just feel like life is way way too short and we get very desensitized and we forget that our time is limited and we have something to contribute and no one's gonna do it the way that we're gonna because every person has a different fingerprint you know every person has something so i want to help people contribute what they have to give and i feel very passionate about how that's like the best way for you to make a difference in the world is to be your most genuine happy version of yourself so even if you aren't making money right away, if you're happy and you're authentically being you and showing up and doing what scares you and facing that feeling of your own inadequacy and pushing through it and going to the studio and getting music made, you're going to be happy. And that is worth a lot. Because in the end, the only reason you want to make a living writing music is so that you could be happy doing what you love. So the money is just the thing that helps you be happy doing what you love. So we have to fall in love again with the process. And Um, yeah, people can go to my podcast. It's Don't Keep Your Day Job. You can leave us a review on iTunes. That always helps us. You can come to my course. You can come to Sync Keepers, which we do once a month. We're doing a writer's boot camp. Oh, we're only, we're picking 16 people and we're doing a writer's boot camp, um, up in Malibu and people are going to leave with a song recorded and they're going to meet supervisors directly. We're bringing supervisors. So there's a lot going on. Um, so follow us. Um, I also have a Facebook page called How to License Your Music with Kathy Heller, and I go, I do Facebook Lives there. And But if you go to NoDayJobs.com, you'll be able to join my mailing list and get any cool content that
0: I'm releasing. Awesome. Um, and if you have any questions about TuneCore sync licensing, you can feel free to reach out to our support team. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us, to the Music Made Me podcast, um, and rate us on iTunes. Uh, follow us or like us on social at TuneCore and um and thanks kathy for being here thanks liam for being here and we'll thank see you, guys. you we'll see you next time
2: thank you